Amen. Good evening. Thank you, John, for jumping in on the pinch. Well, we're going to continue. We're going to finish up Exodus chapter 34 tonight. As we've gone through Exodus, we've seen some incredible things. It would have been amazing to be there, I bet. Um, We've seen how Moses asked God to see his glory. God granted that request. God came down and and, uh, exegeted himself in verses 6 and 7. We saw how God renewed the covenant with the children of Israel after Moses had broken the tablets, which was a huge thing, actually. Um, God renews the covenant. And now we see that as Moses descends on the mountain, as time is done, this is Moses' second time of 40 days and 40 nights on the mountain with no food or water. Moses now descends not to go back up the mountain again. Um, He will not speak with God like that. From now on, he'll speak with God within the tabernacle. And so we're on, if you remember, in going through our... Um, outline of Exodus, we had a revealing, a renewing, and a reflecting. Tonight we're on the reflecting, so our text is found in Exodus chapter 34, verses 29 to 35. So I would ask you to stand with me, we'll read, and then we will uh, see what God says to us tonight. Let's pray first. Father, thank you for this night. Thank you for your word, Lord, and indeed, may we be found faithful May we be found faithful, Lord God. May we be found to reflecting the glory of Christ in this generation. Father, we ask that you would grant us wisdom through the power of your spirit to hear and understand what you say to us this night. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. It says this, When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him. Returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses. The skin of Moses' face was shining. And so Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. No real outline for tonight. We're just going to go through it. It's simple. First is that Moses descended. Moses descends off the mountain. And when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, he came down from the mountain. Now, we ought to take note that this wasn't just some easy thing for Moses to do. I don't think it was easy for Moses to climb Mount Sinai. We would have a picture of a a, a nice path walking up. I don't believe that was the case. When I was at the traditional site of Mount Sinai, there was a nice path that you could walk up. And on the backside, the crusaders made steps that you could walk down. I don't believe it was that way for Moses. And Moses was also carrying these two tablets. He had a heavy weight to bear as he went down the mountain. He comes down the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony. 
Remember what they were. There were two tablets with the same words written on each tablet. The ten words, if you remember, from Exodus chapter 20. The ten words of God. The ten commandments. The summarized covenant of God. And Moses bore these as he came down the mountain. But it says that as Moses came down the mountain, our second point, that Moses was radiant. Moses was radiant. Look what it says in verse 29. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, he came down from the mountain. Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Literally, the Hebrew would read, the skin of his face sent out horns. If you look at Renaissance paintings of Moses, he's depicted of having horns on his head. They get that because of this. The actual Hebrew shown, ko'an, means to be radiant or to emit light, light rays. So light was beaming off of Moses. It must have been something to see. No wonder they were afraid. I would have been afraid too. Who will do it? This guy comes down and now he's, you know... Uh, you know, forgive me, I guess all analogies are bad, but I think of the movie Cocoon, <laughs> right? Where they, uh, you know, they, they shed their skin and they're glowing. Um, his face, his skin of his face was pouring out, giving forth radiant light. Um, <clears throat> R. Kent Hughes, in uh, his commentary, preached the word, writes this, The prophet was incandescent. He had been in the glorious presence of God, and as a result of his exposure to divine radiation, his face was glowing. Why was his face glowing? He says because he has been talking with God. Remember Moses in Exodus 33:18 asked God, he said, please show me your glory. Please show me your glory. You know, what I find interesting is that Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, one time already. What is this fellow Moses? We don't know what happened to him. Make us gods. And they made the golden, you know, and Aaron threw the gold into the fire and out popped the golden calf, as Aaron tells it, um, totally lying about it. Um, when Moses came down from the mountain that time, his face didn't show. There was, there was no evidence of the reflected glory of God. Why this time? It's because Moses specifically asked to go deeper into God. Something was different in Moses. Moses said, I want to know you more. I want to know you more deeper. And God granted that request to Moses. The same glory was up there the first time, right? The dark clouds, the thickness that covered the glory of God to protect the people. And yet, this time, there was something deeper much deeper between Moses and God. And the result was, physically, that his face shone. And as he comes down the mountain, it tells us, the people are afraid. And Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Oh, duh, so would I, right? Who'd ever seen anybody glow before? They were afraid. Again, I like what um, 
Stuart Douglas says in his commentary, he says, the wording of the verse specifically includes Aaron along with everyone else as unable to bear coming close to Moses. Thus pointing out that the leader of the people at the time of the idolatrous rebellion described in chapter 32, that is Aaron, can now see for himself Moses' authenticating divine glory. The people who had once dismissed Moses' leadership as saying, as for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't even know what has happened to him, now could see for themselves that they had what, what had happened to him was that he had been with and had been accepted by the very God they needed to fear. I find that's interesting. That the glory of God shone on Moses' face, reflected on Moses' face, emanating out from Moses' face was proof that Moses was God's chosen man. It proved to Aaron, it proved to the people, this is God's man. They were afraid to look at Moses. They couldn't bear to look at Moses. But Moses obeys God. Moses obeys God. Listen to what it says in 31 and 32. But Moses called to them. He called to the people and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him. He cried out. We don't know what he said. He called them, stop, come back, don't be afraid, don't run away. And Moses talked with them. He talked with Aaron and the leaders of the congregation. He talked to the leaders first. He says, Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. All the law, the covenant that God gave to Moses, he now gave back to the people. Remember what God said to Moses on top of the mountain, verse 11, Observe what I command you this day. This is how you are to act. This is what you are to do. This is what I require of you, the people, my people. I will be with you. I will go in your midst. Even though you're stiff-necked, even though you're a pain, I'm going to do it. But here's the rules. And after he was done talking, he says, Moses covers his face. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, of Moses that the skin of Moses' face was shining. And Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. You know, we need to stop there for a second and look at that and say, what's going on here? We need to realize that for the next 40 years, Moses wore a veil in the congregation. For the next 40 years, he hid his face from the people, except when he went in to talk with God. And when he came out from talking with God, and he would tell the people of Israel what was commanded, I find it interesting that he didn't veil his face when he talked to them, telling them, this is what God says. Granting that authority of the shining of God, the glory of God to the people, this is what God says. And when Moses was going about his regular stuff, he put, his, he put the veil on for the sake of the people. I don't know if I said that. You understand what I'm saying? That it's, he spoke as God's mediator 
And he used the glory of God shining from his face as the authority that he was God's representative. And for 40 years, we never hear about Moses ever again wearing a veil. But he had to because it says every time that he went into the tabernacle, he took it off. And when he walked around uh, throughout the day, he would put it on for the sake of the people. What a great thing that Moses' relationship with God was just so much deeper and so much real. Matter of fact, God says, I spoke to Moses as one speaks face to face. Face to face. And I wonder, I have no proof, I just wonder. Because Moses had that deep, intimate relationship with God face to face, that's what made the sin of striking the rock as opposed to speaking to it all the more egregious because God said, you did not treat me as holy. You've seen my holiness. You saw it with your own eyes, reflected as it was, and it was so great that it reflects off you to the people. But what does this tell us about the glory of God? Because that's really the lesson here. What's it tell us about the glory of God? It tells us, first of all, that the glory of God exposes us. The glory of God exposes us. The people were afraid. Get away from me, Moses. Get away from me. Even Aaron. It made me think of Isaiah when he saw the Lord high and lifted up. Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting above, sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each with six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called on the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. We know that when Isaiah saw God high and lifted up, his reaction wasn't, Wow, how amazing! His reaction was, Woe is me. This guy penetrates me. He knows everything about me. The glory of God exposes us. As we said this morning, well, as it says here in Hebrews, we'll actually read it. In Hebrews 12, 4, 12 to 13, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intention of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. How penetrating was the glory of God. It exposes us. Isn't that what happens when the gospels preach to us? Doesn't it expose us? Doesn't it let us know who we are? And it's not always condemning. It lets us know our sin, but it also lets us know that we are covered by the blood of Christ. We also see the glory of God in a mediator. The glory of God in a mediator. When we come to the book of Deuteronomy, 
In Deuteronomy 18, 18, a very, very important verse. It's one of those, uh, uh, those waypoints, I would say, in Scripture where, you know, we have Genesis 3, 15. You have uh, 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 Genesis 15 with the covenant of Abraham and the Lord passed between the pieces. And you have these verses that just are pinpoints of the story, highlights of the story. And in Deuteronomy 18, 18, Moses had said this. God said, I will rise up from them a prophet like you, Moses, from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I have commanded him. We know that that's fulfilled in Jesus Christ, who is our mediator. Jesus Christ is our mediator. Moses was a great mediator. Moses was a man who spoke to God face to face. Jesus was God himself. How much more glorious is Jesus? Paul, writing to Timothy, says this, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And who is Jesus? The writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 1.3, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. There is glory in the mediatory work of Jesus Christ. Do we see that as glorious? Is it glorious? Do we want to stand before God on our own? You and I could stand before the full glory of God. There's just no way we would. I just always, you know, my mind always goes to the Raiders of the Lost Ark where they open up the ark and they all melted. Right? Like, that's like, I don't know what's going to happen, but man, it's not going to, you cannot stand. God even told Moses, if you see this, you'll die. And I like you. So I'm going to cover you. And I'm going to let you see my reflected glory. And even look what that did to the people. Imagine the full glory of God. We have the glory of God in a mediator. But we also have the glory of God in us if we're his children. Again, Philip Ryken writes this. We do not glorify God by looking at ourselves, but by looking to Him. It is so easy to get lured into performance-based approach to the Christian life, in which we are always looking at ourselves to see how we are doing spiritually. It is also easy to waste time worrying what we look like to others. Instead, we should be looking to Jesus. Only then can we reflect His glory to others. As we look to God, we are transformed by His splendor. And then when people look at us, they see His glory shining through. Wasn't that really what John meant when he said, walking in the light as He is in the light? David writes in Psalm 34, 5, Those who look to Him, those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. The glory of God in us the planted Word of God in us, the Holy Spirit dwelling within us is the glory of God in us. We think about the glory that comes from Moses' face, the reflected glory of God. It also points to us a future glory. There's a future glory for us. John in his epistle writes it in 1 John 3, 2. He says, Beloved, we are God's children now. We are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. 
But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Wow. You're going to see Jesus as he is. How is that? Well, Peter, James, and John got a glimpse of that on the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw Jesus as he is. Paul writes this to the church in Philippi. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. What a day in which we will see the Lord in all His glory. And our bodies will be transformed. No more sickness. No more dying there. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the King. And most of all, we see the glory of the Gospel. The glory of the Gospel. You know, we're blessed because on this particular passage of an Exodus where Moses was the veil, that Paul actually tells what that means in the book of Corinthians. He tells us what it means. He says in 2 Corinthians 3, 7 to 18, he says, Now if the ministry of death, carved in letters on stone, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of his glory, which is being brought to an end, If the ministry of death, the law brings death, the scripture tells us. It doesn't bring life, it brings death. It's impossible to fulfill the law. I cannot do it. The whole point of the law, Paul tells us in Romans, was to show us that we were unable to keep it. We can't do it. Matter of fact, if you remember in Acts 17, where the Gentiles start to become saved, and they write a letter, and, 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 and they, well, they got to be circumcised and all this, and what does the council in Jerusalem do? Remember, Peter stood up and said, you know what? Why are we putting on something that even our forefathers, they couldn't even, they couldn't even handle this, so why would we do it? It brings death. It does not bring life. It points to the fact that we need a glorious mediator. Paul goes on to say, he says, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? It's a rhetorical question. Will it not? Of course it will. For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Of course it does. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For what is being brought to an end comes with glory. Much more will what is permanent have glory. The law, fulfilling the law, following the law, comes to an end. When did it end? In Jesus Christ. It came to an end. We should be sad for people who want to be performance-based in their religion. How sad it is for the Jewish people to strive and to strive and to strive to have peace with God and fail to obtain it. Because of their works. It's coming to an end. It's a ministry that brings death. But that which is permanent will have great glory, has great glory. Then Paul goes on to say, since we have such hope, we are very bold. Listen to what he says. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. 
Isn't that interesting? We're bold in the declaration of the gospel, the glory of the gospel. Moses wasn't. Moses put a veil over his face so the people of Israel wouldn't see. See, we think Moses was being nice. Paul says he wasn't being. Paul says he wasn't letting them see the full effect of the glory of God. That's, that, at least that's how I read it. If I'm wrong, please let me know. He says, but their minds, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ it is taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. Man. Thanks be to God that Jesus passed through the heavenly places, passed through the curtain. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. You know, I read that, I can't help but think of old Nebuchadnezzar. And when I turned my eyes to heaven, my mind returned to me. Do we turn our eyes to Jesus? We sing the song, turn your eyes to Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will what? Fade away. Of course they will. Now the, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. This comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The question we'd have to ask ourselves, am I growing in my knowledge and understanding of who Jesus Christ is? Am I moving from glory to glory? Am I just maintaining? Do I have, do I'm looking to Lord with an unveiled face? This comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Later on in Corinthians, in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, Paul says this, For God who said, let light shine out of his darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You want to have the glory of God? Fill yourself with Scripture. Know your Bible. Know what God says. And then do it. It's hard, isn't it? It's not easy. We want to walk in the light as he is in the light. We need to be in the light. I can't be in the light and try to, I can't be in darkness and say I'm in the light. It just does not happen. It cannot happen. And so when we see Moses in a shining face, we see all that it points to and all the hope that is there for us on this side of the cross. That we don't have to wear a veil. That we need to be bold with the gospel because from the gospel comes life. We beheld his glory as the only begotten of God. Because in him was life, and that life was the light of men. Let's be bold with the glorious gospel that's been entrusted to us. Let's not be like Moses who veiled his face. Let's be bold in our proclamation of who God is and what God has done. And let's not turn to the left or to the right from that, because it is a ministry that is permanent and lasting forever. And thanks be to God for that. And that's all I got on Moses. Let's pray. Father, 
thank you that you gave us the ministry that is far more glorious than that of the covenant, that of the Old Testament, of keeping the law. Thank you, Lord God, that you gave us the glory of God, the knowledge of your word in the face of Jesus Christ. Father, help us to look to you. Help us to find our hope and our anchor in you and you alone. Lord, may the world around us, may our loved ones, may our neighbors, may the people that we meet in the stores who just see us, would they see something in us, Lord? Would they see the glory of Christ in us so that we could share with them the glorious ministry of reconciliation? Lord, we ask it for the glory of Christ. Amen and amen. All right, we're going to stand and sing.